This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 118. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, created by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, let's get started with another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. Another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Just me here behind the mic hosting today. Jonathan has dug out his Speedo. He is on a beach somewhere in Nicaragua, sun tanning here the, the next week or so. So unavailable for this recording, but the show must go on. Really great conversation here today. Uh, Dr. Katie Ford, someone that I've been following for quite a long time. If if you were familiar with her work, you, you probably think of imposter syndrome. And that's where we head in this, this week's conversation. Um, we had a whole range of topics that we were planning to touch on. Um, but I guess I just kept drilling and drilling into the imposter syndrome because to be honest, I was getting so much value and so curious on it. So I think there'll be a lot of value for everyone here. I know um, I'm assuming here for all the veterinarians listening, something that we can all resonate with after the recording here, when I'm, when I'm turning on for this intro, I was thinking back uh, to 2004, I guess it was first year veterinary school. And I remember like day one sitting in the buffeteria at WCVM and, you know, everyone kind of had scattered around. I think it was just for lunch and sitting at a table with three other, you know, students and colleagues and classmates didn't know them at all at this point. And we're all kind of just telling, you know, where we came from, how we got to this point. And I can remember 19 years old sitting there looking at these other three people and being like, oh, <laughs> how the hell did I get here? Like, how did I get accepted? Why am I in this class? Because all the other three, you know, they had degrees, they had, some of them had former careers, in my opinion, you know, way more qualified than me to be there. So it's just funny, you know, that voice flares up. And for me, it flared up immediately. And we go through a lot of that some really good stuff in this conversation. Um, one piece that that came up that wasn't planned is around unconscious competence. And I really enjoyed that. So, so listen in for that piece, um, just about getting in flow state. So I won't ramble too much here. You're not here to listen to me. Dr. Katie Ford is an experienced small animal vet having graduated from Liverpool in 2012 and gaining her RCVS certificate in internal medicine in 2017. She became passionate about opening conversations up around imposter syndrome and self-doubt following her own experiences in the veterinary profession and trained as a certified coach with further study in a number of areas, as well as publishing a series of books. Katie grew a following of over 18,000 across social media as at Katie Ford Vet and is an international and keynote speaker, both in the vet profession and beyond. She co-founded Vet Empowered in 2020, offering personal development content and group coaching services, namely to recent graduates. As her business grew, she saw the importance of money mindset and financial independence, not only within her own clients, but in making personal progress too. She joined VetU as a co-director, helping to break down barriers around finances within the profession and to enable access to timely expert financial advice. She is currently studying for a master's degree in emotional well-being therapy. And if you're watching this one on YouTube, um, and even just listening in, you're going to pick up on it. I've never met Katie. I, I didn't know her, you know, when she described sort of her former life in the veterinary profession. But speaking to her now, you can just see it and feel it like she is in flow. She is living in her gifts. It, it was an amazing conversation. We could have went way, way longer. I give you Dr. Katie Ford. Dr. Katie Ford, I believe you are our furthest uh, geographical guest coming to us from the United Kingdom. 
Thank you very much. I know with the time change, is is it it's really late in the day there? Is that how this works? Yeah, that's right. It's the evening. So I'm honored to be offer this geographical guest. So far, I've no doubt there'll be someone that beats that record. So well, let's we are, see who yeah, that's gonna be. We're trying to start pushing out a little bit, but um, I mean, I have been following you and aware of your work since our podcast started, I mean, over two years ago. Um, you've done a, a good job, I would say, of when I think of Katie Ford, I think of imposter syndrome, right? Like your your brand has really gone hand in hand. So, I mean, we've been wanting to reach out for you to you for a long time. So happy you could make it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me here. And it's cool to know that the branding and the messaging is on point that when you think of me, maybe not think of imposters, but maybe think of feeling like an imposter and that you're not one would be cool. So it's it's amazing to be here. And we've had plenty of awesome chats before we've got on here. So I'm so excited to see where we end up, what we're going to chat about, and hopefully bring everyone that's listening some real value and some thinking points too. Yeah, likewise. Okay. So before we jump in, uh, maybe just because we are, we're more North America based. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? You know, who is Katie Ford? How did she end up at this point in her life? Absolutely. Of course I can. So I graduated as a veterinarian 10 years ago now. It feels like two minutes since, and I'd love to believe that I've got great face cream and I don't look like I'm 10 years down the line, but I definitely realized there's been a lot of lessons in those last 10 years. So when, excuse me, when I first graduated, I ended up going into a small animal first opinion veterinary job in the United Kingdom. It was a very busy clinic. We saw a lot of patients very quickly. And I started to realize that even though I was getting really good case outcomes, I just couldn't seem to own them. That little negative voice came in and said, yeah, but somebody else helped you with that KTR. Yeah, that was easy. Anyone could have done that. And as I listened to that, I started to think, oh, Maybe I just need to go to a different job where it's not as busy, where I've got more time to do consultations, where perhaps I could do some further study because I was starting to think, how did I get through vet school? Maybe I should know more stuff by now. And this narrative kept going on. I changed jobs as I was in a new job and was given the opportunity to study more. I thought that was going to be the answer. In the United Kingdom, we've got something called um, a certificate in advanced veterinary practice, which is about two years of part-time study that you do alongside full-time study. I did that the minute that I was allowed to start it. I did it in internal medicine. I loved studying, but at the same time, even then, that narrative would come up. Well, you've only done well in that case report, Katie, because you're fairly recently out of university and you just remember how to write in medical terms and all these things. You did well because you just happened to speak up more in that group discussion. There was always a reason. And whilst I almost like joke and jest about it now, at the time it was really crippling to me. And I honestly thought I was the only one that ever experienced this. I started trying to outwork it. I thought, right, what I can do if I just want to make sure that it shuts up and nothing ever goes wrong, I'll stay in work every hour of the day. I'll go into work on my days off. I'll stay later. I'll book my cases in in times when I'm not supposed to be there. But at least it means that nobody else will see one of my cases because if they do, they might think, my goodness, why has she done this? She's not as good as everybody thinks. So there started to be this big disconnect between how I was acting externally and what everyone thought I was in terms of I had this brand new house, a fantastic car. I was a senior vet. I used to speak at client evenings that we'd put on for them and I'd talk about clinical topics. I used to go on the local radio station. Everybody in the local supermarket used to say, oh, you need to go and speak to Katie. She's brilliant. Had this reputation. And I felt like I was honestly putting that on and just scamming everybody. And that actually led me to a really sort of dark place in my career where I was really frustrated because I reached the point where I got everything that I thought that I wanted. I'd done all the things, I'd done the extra qualifications, I'd got the job title, I'd got good case outcomes on the whole, and yet I still didn't feel it. And I didn't feel good enough. And I used to sit and I'd sob when I was on call. I just, I honestly thought I had a broken brain. I thought I was the only one that ever experienced this. Whenever I went to someone and said, oh, I'm doubting myself a bit, they'd go, no, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. So I still thought I was the only one. And eventually through my own path and realizing like, I'm really not in a good place right now. I spoke and I reached out to one of my bosses who said, will you speak to somebody? And hand on heart, I probably did that for her rather than doing that for me. 
because I thought, oh, she's worried about you. You should probably do something to stop her being worried. And I spoke initially to a therapist who really helped me start to understand like the impact of our thoughts and our feelings and that maybe thoughts aren't facts, which sent me down a really interesting path of starting to learn about personal development. Now, in this little period in between, I probably went on a personal development path that potentially made me a little bit worse to start with. And that was when I was starting to set big goals. And the reality was I'd never had problems hitting big goals. It was more about acknowledging them and being compassionate and kind to myself and realizing I was the person underneath that narrative. And I ended up coming across another coach, another mentor who actually really helped me realize who I was and that I was valuable the whole time. And that I'd been living a performance-related experience for most of my life where if cases were going well in practice, I was allowed to feel like I was a valuable person. And if something didn't go well, that was just evidence that I truly didn't deserve to be there. I wasn't very good. And when I learned this content, it actually helped me step off the roller coaster. It helped me raise my self-awareness and bring some self-compassion and realize I've been valuable all along. And in the midst of all of this, I started sharing on social media, Mike, and saying, when this happened in practice, this was what came up for me. This was the reminder that I think that I needed. And I just throw it out there with zero expectation. I never thought that there'd be a following. I never thought there'd be a business. I never thought I'd be a keynote speaker. I didn't think anything was going to come of it. I just realized from having those little conversations in practice that I wasn't the only one. When I was speaking to my colleagues that potentially I'd not been the nicest person to work with when I was struggling and having those open conversations and realizing I'm not the only one. Maybe more people need to know about this. Maybe I need to help them signpost them to people that can help them too. And that's when the account really grew. And that's when I thought, you know what, I really love to train and know a little bit more about coaching. And ultimately now I am um, training and doing a master's in emotional well-being therapy, not to be a therapist, just I'm sure you're the same, Mike. I really love to nerd out on this stuff and it's just super, super interesting. But that was the start of my businesses forming, a speaking business, a coaching business that empowered starting to get the confidence to network and reach out and becoming a part of Vet You as well. And that's in the short of it, which it could be an hour in itself, my whole story. That explains where I went from graduating back 10 years ago, learning from my own struggles and then starting to share it and just say to people, look, you are always enough. This voice that tells you that you're not we don't have to fight with it. We don't have to argue with it. Just have to realize we we didn't choose it. And then let's start getting to know the real us underneath. What's important to us as individuals, right? And really, when I started speaking, I realized the term that encapsulated best my own experiences and also sent me down the research hole was imposterism and the imposter phenomenon. And that is something that I've spoken about since. I'm glad to hear, Mike, that you think of it as you think of my name, because I've spoken about it probably nonstop for the last four years now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. There's a lot here. I love it. Let's, let's, there's a few things from our pre-recording that are jumping out. Um, I know you had mentioned to me, you know, what you had just said here, you spent most of your life trying to prove to, to others, right? So let's maybe spend just a bit of time on that, like whether that's the feeling, you know, of trying to prove to others, but mostly I'm I'm interested for our listeners that that may be experiencing the same thing. How did you have that, you know, awareness or clarity to just pull back from it enough to start to pivot and then focus on your self worth that was always there, you just couldn't see it. If I don't know if I'm asking the question well, but let's kind of dive in tactically for people that are experiencing what you described. Yeah, definitely. And when we look at imposter syndrome in general, and I really hate the word syndrome because it makes us feel like there's something wrong with us, the the experience, part of it might be that we feel like we have to prove that it's worthwhile as being there. Another part of feeling like an imposter is not being able to internalize our own successes or feel like they're being legitimately earned as well. So I didn't want to ignore that part of feeling like an imposter, but on the prove yourself piece and that flip and that pivot, essentially what ended up happening for me, I'd been and I'd had cognitive behavior therapy and I started to realize that, like I said, thoughts aren't facts. I'm the person underneath. I'm the one listening to them. But then I had gone down this path of further personal development and I started to read in and listening to some of the classics of you are what you think about and um, setting bigger goals and thinking about big aspirations and things like this. And 
actually, when I tried that, that was one of the points of me saying, look, actually, I've achieved, I've tried to set big goals. I've done the things that should theoretically prove me to people. So why do I still not feel it? And I ended up with one of my old bosses. She was seeing a client in the separate room next to me. And I was listening in on this consultation. And she said, Katie, I'm um, <clears throat> sorry, said the client to the client, Katie is not in next week. Um, sorry, I'm not in next week, but you can see Katie, who's my assistant, and she's brilliant. And I was listening to this and I was like, oh, she thinks I'm brilliant. I, I never thought I was any good at anything. I thought that I was putting this show on and she thinks I'm brilliant. And I thought she was fantastic. So this meant the world to me. <clears throat> and I ended up going into one of the local bookshops near home and seeing a book called The Art of Being Brilliant. And I thought, you know what? I should probably buy this book because, again, classic imposterism. She thinks I'm brilliant, so I should probably learn a little bit about how to do that so that if she sees me again, that obviously I'm putting on the right show and I'm, I'm living up to her expectations. So I bought the book and in there it spoke about somebody that um, was called Richard, Richard Wilkins, and said he is a public speaker. He really has everything sorted in his life. He has life down to a T. He understands it. And I thought, that's interesting. Then I read on and it started saying, and he talks about how you're enough already and how you're already there and how you're valuable. And that little voice in my head, Mike, comes up and says, no, this isn't for you. This is fluffy. This is rubbish. You're an achiever. You're not already enough. Like This is for people that want to settle. And no, it's just a no. But part of me was curious because the guy that had written this book and spoken about Richard was so in admiration of him and so interested in what he was saying. And he didn't speak about anybody else in the book in the same way that there was a little part of me that was inquisitive. So I ended up looking on Richard's website, realizing that they'd got a one day, um, almost they called it a recharge day that you could go along to, you could listen to them speak. And at that day, first of all, I walked in and everyone was so like happy and smiley and encouraging of each other. I did probably think I was at a cult to begin with. I was like, what is this? I should have turned back around. And if I was completely honest, at that point, I was really desperate. I just, I was frustrated. I tried everything in, in my opinion. At that point, I thought I tried it all and I just kept hitting a wall every time. And I sat there and I listened to so many stories of people from different backgrounds, nobody from the veterinary profession, just talking about their experiences of having this negative voice in the head, not realizing that they were the one underneath until they'd gone and spent this week with them. And I ended up going and spending a week with them. And that was the pivotal point for me. And it wasn't the only thing I learned because I've continued learning for years since then. I've done extra trainings. I've learned more. But for me, that pivotal point was sitting around with eight other people, realizing that as incredible as they looked on the outside, you had people that were uh, business owners, you'd got people that ran, ran children's homes, there were people that had social media marketing companies. There, there was just an array of us around this table, all sort of sharing our experiences and our stories and all very, uh, very slowly but surely realizing we all listen to a very similar narrative here, right? And it's wrong about you and it's wrong about you and it's wrong about you. And one of the moments that I really had there was there was a girl that was on my course with me and she was beautifully stunning. You couldn't take a bad picture of her. You know, she could sneeze and she'd look amazing mid-sneeze. And she'd got her own business. She was dripping in all the labels. And this was something that that voice in my head always told me, like, oh, you're not pretty enough. You've not done enough with your life. You need to own more things. And she said to me, Katie, isn't it funny? That voice in my head tells me if I was as clever as you, as intelligent as you, then I'd be happy. And I said, well, it tells me if I looked like you and I had all the stuff that you've got, then I'd be happy. And it just really helped us to kind of discredit by seeing all these amazing other people around the table saying, you know what, they're all valuable, right? And they're listening to something that's telling them I'm not. And it started to help me kind of question that for me. And I think for the first time, the irony is that I sat there and thought, you know what, I've been looking for the right thing in the wrong place. I've been looking to feel like I'm valuable by getting more and more external stuff by looking for someone else's validation, by trying to outwork that little voice in my head that still comes back now, right? It comes back every single day. It'll pop up with something. It's always got something it jabbers on about. I just don't give it as much of a time of day. I don't value its opinion. I know it's not me. I know I never chose it versus right at the beginning where it would say jump and I'd say how high. Like, oh my goodness, this is going to go wrong. Oh my gosh, it might go wrong. 
what if it does go wrong and then it does and then they think you're a bad fit and then that'll just confirm what you've worried about all along whereas now I can kind of lean into a bit more self-compassion so I think anybody that's listening because I appreciate that's my story the first thing to know is there are people out there that are willing to listen to you willing to remind you of your value and can help you because the first part is an awareness and that can be a frustrating part sometimes. You're like, oh my goodness, I really resonate with what Katie's saying. Is there something wrong with me? The first thing to say is your experience, obviously, whilst it's going to be your own, you're not the only person that's experiencing that. So many people within this profession doubt themselves, think they're not good enough, think they're not valuable. Secondly, if you notice it, actually go and approach someone, speak to, we can speak to counselors, we can speak to coaches, we can speak to therapists, we can do some of our own like personal development work as well. And there are things that we can do, but just as a reassurance, you are valuable, even when you forget. Like our values at a level of being, not at a level of doing. Like let's think of someone that's really special to us in our lives, like your kids, a loved one, a family member. Are they special to you because of what they've achieved? Are they special to you because of just that's who they are. And the reality is it's going to be the latter. And I know that feels weird. And five years, six years, probably more, seven years back now, Katie would have absolutely cringed at that because I was at a point where I was still about needing to achieve so much stuff. The reality is I achieved far more after I lent into realizing, you know what, I was born enough and I'm still enough. That helped me take those risks sometimes in business too. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, that that's amazing. I like the part of, you know, s- sitting around with with the eight people in your group, and you know, you can recognize the story is false for them, false for them, false for them. But then somehow we think for ourselves it's true, and it's like, you know, you can see it in others, but it's it's harder to see it in yourself. And then I really like how you said, you know, you were looking for the right thing, but in the wrong place, and that that reminded me one of the one of the posts that you have on social media that. Um, like really drew me into your work was something along the lines of, you know, you had 27 letters or, or whatever it was behind your name and doctor in front. And and I see that in the veterinary world where, you know, st- striving to just keep hanging up like the certificates and the letters. And I and don't get me wrong, I'm all for like personal growth and development. But if you're tying all your worth to that string of letters, that that's where it can get problematic. So I really like that piece. So now if someone has an awareness of like, okay, I'm looking externally, I should be looking internally, you know, how do they take that on? How can they turn the dial up on the good noise that says, hey, you are valuable, you are worthy, you know, and start to believe it and step into it? I think the first thing is for us to get clear on what's important to us. And that can be through identifying our core values Because so frequently we end up going down a path that we think we should be going down. Because again, like you've just said, I am an advocate for further study. If you want to do extra qualifications, certifications, but let's just tune into what's the reason we're doing them. Are we doing them to prove that we deserve to be there? Are we doing them because we enjoy learning and it fits with our personal values? So the first thing would be, let's look at what is truly important to us in life. You can find values exercises online. You can do them with coaches. It's just just starting to think, what are the four to five things that are most important to me in life? That means that then when we're looking at starting to choose a story and a narrative and starting to come up with an alternative story when that first one pops in, we can kind of hand on heart, know who we are and what's important to us. The second thing I'd say is when we're starting to notice that first narrative come up is let's look at it really curiously, but not critically. Because one of the things that I see a lot in this space is we criticize ourselves about criticizing ourselves. When we start to raise our awareness and say, oh my goodness, I do listen to something that tells me I'm not good enough all the time, then that becomes something we criticize ourselves about. So tuning into the person underneath is first of all, is getting clear on our values. The second thing is just taking the time to stop and to notice ourselves, like what gives us energy, what drains us of energy identify our strengths. So frequently, we've got things that we've become so good at that we're unconsciously competent at them. We do them without even thinking about it. It becomes so normal that we think anyone can do that. And we start to have a a moment of, oh my goodness, I'm not very good at anything. So you can do strength finding exercises. You can go to friends and loved ones and say, I'm doing some personal development work at the moment. 
can you help me by telling me what you think my two to three top strengths are? Or give me some examples of them. We can start looking at challenges that we've overcome. When did we use strengths? It's about us sitting down into the person underneath that narrative, giving them some kind of words, figure out who they are, what's important to them, what lights them up, what their strengths are, what they want life to be about. And then us taking action that aligns with that as well, because that's another thing that gives our mind evidence. So for example, if that imposter voice comes along and says, oh, you're not good enough to speak at this event, for example, you've noticed it. We're like, oh, that's interesting. It's saying I'm not good enough to speak at this event. Let me sit back into me. Does it? Well, there's a little part of me that's quite excited about doing it. And I do think I would quite like to do it. My values are um, education, freedom, fun. You know what? It it could actually be fun and it's going to help educate other people. So it's important to me. Let me practice some compassion. Think about what I'd say to a friend. Okay. I'd say to them, you know what? You've done all the qualifications you need to be here to do it. You've got some valuable experiences to share. And then I'm going to go on the website and I'm going to sign up and I'm going to submit to be a speaker for this event. And it might feel scary because that voice is going, whoa, you can't do this. You're not the person to do this. But you know that you've got in touch with the person underneath that's a little bit excited about it, that knows what's valuable to them, that knows their strengths, that has sat and looked at the facts. And then we've got some evidence, you know, then we go and we do it and it wasn't as scary as we thought it was going to be, or it might have been scary, but we've done it. And it's just small day-to-day actions and awareness and just getting to know ourselves. Like we spend so much time getting to know, um, let's say, physiology of the liver we know inside out. But how truly do we know what's important to us, what we want life to be about versus how easy it is to get uh, swept into the slipstream of what we think we should be doing and what the world thinks we should be doing rather than us saying, hang on one second. And that takes time. And sometimes we need other people to help guide us through that. And that's also absolutely okay. That's funny. I have to, my, my imposterism flared up there because I have forgotten the physiology of the liver. Most of that stuff is, has been removed from my brain. So I'm, I'm behind on that. W- one thing that jumped out and Katie, I know you and I have studied um, some of the same work, some of the same personal development work. When you said, unconscious competent. And I know I'm just sort of coming back to that for our listeners because I was really quick and in passing. And I think it it is very important to realize, you know, like where you're operating from. And so I'll just sort of, this is how I view it. And I'd love your thoughts on it. It is hard to believe that when when you stop pursuing the external shift, find your own self worth and are driven by your own internal values, it's initially, it's hard to believe that you will be more successful, whatever your definition of success is. And part of it is when you drop into, like you said, your gifts, your natural strengths, and you start operating in that unconscious competent zone, you know, you, you, that's when you get into what we would call like flow states, right? And it's hard, like, I didn't believe it. I know when I was on the other side, like looking for external and like consciously grinding you know, for lack of a better term, it just feels like, no, this is what I have to do. The only way to be successful is to grind more, right? And this is all mindset and limiting beliefs. And when we can shift, step into those gifts, unconscious competence, I don't want to say things come easy, but maybe in a way they do, right? Because it is your natural inclination. So I'd I'd love your thoughts on like when you made that pivot and then what you've experienced you know, sort of on that in unconscious competent zone. Definitely. And it's such an interesting piece, isn't it? Because so frequently, you're absolutely right. We try and pursue the things that we're not so good at. And quite often is it school that makes us focus on our perceived weaknesses rather than our strengths. And it's interesting for us to think about when you talk about that flow state, that's when things are going easily. They come to us, time goes quickly and we, we just... I know I, I say and use the word in the description, but you feel like you're in flow. I feel like I'm in flow when I'm speaking. I could speak on stage all day long. And I think it's giving yourself the permission to go in and try some of these things. So when I talk about unconscious competence as well, I think it's important that we do the stages that came before that. So we've got, we go through having um, an unconscious incompetence at something. We don't know what we're not good at, right? We have no idea that we're not good at, I don't know, unicycling. 
Then if we start trying to try it, we go through a period of being consciously incompetent. We see that we're not very good at it. And that can feel uncomfortable sometimes. Or we see that there's more to know than there should be. And then finally, we go into a stage um, of conscious competence where we know that we can do it and we've started to understand it and we're going through the motions of it. And then we go into, like you say, that, that state where actually we don't even know it's a strength anymore. We don't even realize we're good at it because it's become so normal to us when we're in that unconscious competence phase. And I think sometimes it's identifying what that is for us. And that can be those reflective pieces, just like you said, of when does time pass quickly and easily for me? What do I get most compliments on? Uh, What challenges have I overcome and what strengths have I used there? Because there's a link between us not being aware of our strengths and our well-being. And like you said, the unconscious piece is that sometimes it has become so normal to us. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. And I didn't know that I was good at that. But also bringing in that point of, do I enjoy doing this? Is this something that when I'm doing it, I enjoy it? And I think those two things have to intersect, right, for us to find that flow state too. Because we've all got these gifts, like you said. Sometimes we discount them. Sometimes we say that's nothing special because we don't even realize it's something good to have. We don't realize it's a skill. And other times... Maybe there's something that we are just getting better at and it will eventually come into our flow state and it's important to us. But we need to take some pressure off and let ourselves be a beginner at stuff as well sometimes and enjoy yeah. that process too. Yeah. A couple of things I kind of, I want to layer in now, uh, in my opinion anyway, lots of times when people are talking about imposterism, immediately it shifts negative. And I, I do admit and agree there can be a lot of, of negative you know, talk around it and a lot of cons. My personal opinion is there is also some, some positives. And so some examples, and I would love your opinion on these would be, you know, when we are consciously incompetent, like that is a thing. Like if as a veterinarian, you will go through a period of time yeah. where, you know, the fir- your first time doing a surgery of some sort, you probably are kind of incompetent at it. Like you, you know, like it's your first time. That's it to be expected. And so when you have that, you know, imposterism flares up like, wow, like I really butchered that incision. I think that's good because it's like, you're aware of it. And it's like, let's get better. Let's put some reps in and get to unconscious competence. Right. So I I sometimes, I guess I'm just sort of saying this to say, I think there are also positives, you know, that, that we can take from that sort of learning process. Mm. And it's such an interesting point, right? Because I think an undeniable thing is that when imposterism comes up, it's uncomfortable, right? And people are like, oh my goodness, it's here, it hurts. And I think you're absolutely right in remembering that when we sometimes feel like an imposter happens because we are growing and we're going through that process sometimes. And I think rather than us having to force ourselves to enjoy it, we can kind of say, look, is this a point for me to take some pressure off myself and lean into a growth mindset? Because like you said, with that incision example, if we listen to a story and we get bought into a story that says, you've butchered this incision, therefore you're a bad vet, therefore you don't deserve to be here, therefore you'll never be good at incisions and all these stories that it goes with. And if we believe it, then will that stop us ever wanting to do an incision again? The reality is we can notice it and say, I hear you, but actually, can we lean back into who we are? Like you've said, this is a part of a stage of learning. I'm not going to try and persuade myself that actually this this incision is brilliant and it's beautiful when actually the clear evidence in front of my eyes is that it has been butchered and it's a jaggedy line and it's not what it should be. But where can I sit into that kind of version of myself, that growth-minded side of myself, that person that I'd say to my friend and say, you've only done it once. You've only done it twice. You know, I hear you. I hear why that voice is piping up because you're doing something new. And actually, this is a time for us to lean into that growth side, that kind, that compassionate side. So I think absolutely for me now, if I hear like imposter type vibes coming in, I know that I'm probably doing something bigger and I'm on a learning journey. I'm on a learning process. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to say it doesn't hurt sometimes. That's just for me. That is a little like trigger, a little alarm that goes off to say, what are you listening to right now? What pressures? Because we have five like archetypes of imposterism with all with different pressures that come up. Which of those am I listening to? What would I choose to say to myself instead? How can I look after myself in this moment? And how can I maybe break this down into steps? 
Because how often were we the people growing up that were maybe rewarded for being the first ones to do stuff or the speediest ones or the, the most intelligent ones and all these things that that pressure transposes itself further down the line where we feel like anything that we do, we should do brilliantly. And do we have to persuade ourselves that we're brilliant? Sometimes one might argue that in that moment, if we're trying to persuade ourselves that this incision is beautiful and it's brilliant when actually the evidence in front of us isn't, there's no wonder we feel like an imposter. Whereas actually, if we realign with who we are underneath and say, I'm still valuable, I would love to make this incision look better with time, but let's be real, it's the first time doing it. And this is a little note to say, let's take some pressure off. Let's lean into that growth. I have to go through all four of those stages to get to unconscious competence and that's okay. So I think we definitely, we align on that. It's not denying it's uncomfortable, but can we use it as a, okay, do I need to tweak my self messaging here? Like we're never going to stop the first thing coming up. Thoughts are automatic, right? It's like, you're not going to be able to stop the first thought that comes up, but actually are we going to let it carry on into a big story? Are we going to gently let it go? Are we going to think about what the kind of story is that's going to help us lean into growth? Yeah. I like that framing of, you know, you're on a journey of growth. And I think of that. And then I think of how boring would life be if you never experienced imposterism? Like that would actually like if you if there was a pill in front of me and you're like, take this pill and you will never experience imposterism. That would be horrible because like that would mean you would never go on a journey of growth. You know, like everything would always be comfortable. And it's like that doesn't doesn't really align with like with me personally. Yeah. And I think what would be really interesting would be what if we called it like pushing comfort zones um, syndrome? What if we call it um, high pressured syndrome? What if we called it, I've forgotten that I'm valuable and my worth has suddenly been put on the outcome of this syndrome? I, as I said already, I don't really like the term syndrome, but I think the term imposter essentially means that we're trying to deceive someone for fraudulent gain. So actually, I almost feel like a lot of the negative uh, negative connotations come from the name of it itself, right? We're trying to infer that we are being some sort of criminal. We are being fraudulent. And actually, the reality is that quite often it's that without us even knowing subconsciously, there's a lot of pressure. The bar has been raised really high. And actually, yes, we can still keep growing, right? But how can we make it more attainable as we go so that it's a series of smaller hurdles that we're getting over? We're flexing those muscles as we do it. We're backing ourselves as we do it. Rather than setting the bar at like 20 foot high and saying, you can't do that. You don't deserve to be here. Um, and forgetting all the times that you could do all of the other sports on the field, if that yeah. makes sense. Absolutely. So Katie, I'm, I guess as we kind of wrap up on some of this imposterism, um, I remember in our pre-recording, you told me a story, you know, as you were going through your journey and you had touched on it earlier here, you said, you know, maybe you weren't the, the nicest or however you worded it to work with. And you had these realizations, you were doing some of the work and you took your staff out for dinner. And, you know, you said something to the effect, you know, I'd like to apologize. Like that, that Katie is, is, is going away and it will be different from here forward. And I know your mentor said something to you of like, I, I had it here was I put myself there and life caught up. And that was really interesting to me because it was sometimes it can feel like, okay, there's this big ball of wax and I'm it's, it's going to be just a mess to try untangle it. But then when you tell me that story, it's more like, okay, I've made a decision. There's a moment in timestamp and now I'm stepping into a new version. And from here on out, that's how it's going to be. Yeah. And that really came from when I talked to you about that week that I'd spent with other people. And I think probably having the realization that I wasn't the only one that had a voice in the head that tried to tell me that I wasn't good enough. And then I had this realization that everybody else that I worked with would also have a voice in the head that told them that they weren't good enough. And I know I was explaining to you, if, for example, I was going to have two or three days away from work, I would make a 15 page long document that was going to have every outcome on there that if somebody rang one of our reception team members and said, oh, is this result back for this? I'd say, read out this sentence to them, tell them to call me back this day or something. And then when I went back into work after that time off and they hadn't followed it because life happened and the phone calls were busy and that reception team member had a job to do as well as to monitor my list of instructions that I'd left. I'd be really mad if something hadn't been done. 
And if I was to be completely, truly honest, that was a reflection of probably how angry I was with myself that, look, you can't take two or three days away from this job. Look what happens when you do. And I was listening to a narrative that was telling me that. But then I'd probably say mean things at that point. I wouldn't be absolutely horrendous with them, but I'd say things that my external words probably became their internal words. And I made that decision when I'd been sat around and realized that everybody, regardless of the preconceived ideas of their job titles, which labels or designer labels that they were wearing, what their background is, how they sounded, what they looked, that deep down there was an insecurity or there'd be a voice that came up and told them that they weren't doing a good enough job or that something that was said to them was going to stick with them. That was when I made a decision that I don't want to add any more to that. And that was years ago. And people cannot believe that that is me now. And I absolutely, I went in on the Saturday after that week to work a shift. And I said to the nurse and to the receptionist that was on with me, look, we're going to go out for dinner. I'm really sorry. Um, I know this doesn't make it okay how I've acted, but I just want to let you know I was going through a lot of stuff. It absolutely doesn't make my behavior okay, but hopefully it makes it a little more understandable. I really, I, I promise you I'm going to change. And it wasn't just in that one decision, right, Mike? It was in every decision, every interaction that I had after that, where I just take a pause, take a second. Like, right, how am I going to choose to react here? And it, well, to respond rather than to react. And that wasn't in a an inauthentic way. It was me kind of dropping out of my head and into like the kinder, more authentic version of me that would want to encourage other people to grow, that would want to grow themselves. And thinking, what am I going to say here? It wasn't me denying emotions that came up. I still, I still notice them. I'd still feel them. I'd still acknowledge them. But actually, it was me just thinking, do I want my external words to be their internal words? And if I do, what am I saying to them? And that continued for years since then. And yes, there've been times where I'm human and I'd say things and I think, gosh, I don't know where that came from. But I'd go back and I'd apologize. And I'd say, look, yesterday when I said this, I, I really didn't mean it. I was stressed and all it doesn't make it okay. I just, I, I understand it probably didn't make you feel great either. So I wanted to talk to you about that. So change is absolutely possible. I realize everybody is really different. And I always share that part of my journey as well, because quite often we think that if there is somebody, I used to like myself almost like Dr. House. Like that was probably the persona that I quite liked, like build up this wall. People think that you're really intelligent. They're going to come and ask you for something. You're going to give them the answer and then you're going to hope that they go away really quickly. And actually the reality was that that wasn't me. Like that was just a, a coping mechanism that I come across. And I think when I then share that with other people, sometimes it helps you to understand other people that maybe act in ways that we can't understand. Like we never know what's going on for someone else, right? At the end of the day. So, and the concept of putting yourself there and life catching up was an incredible one to me because that is just what happened. And I know in short, we've not got huge amounts of time here, Mike, but just so the listeners can listen, that story was essentially one of my mentors. He was a millionaire. He had a property company. He ended up with lots of supercars. He'd got the big house. He'd got a beautiful wife and kids. Then a recession hit in the UK and he ended up losing everything, including his wife left him at that point too. Things weren't working out. And he always says, look, when I had everything, I was nearly there. I was always just like one deal away from feeling like things were okay. One extra car away. It'd always just be like a little bit further that I needed to go. And then when everything was taken away from me, he said, I moved from being a millionaire in a mansion to being a bankrupt in a bedsit over a shop. I was sat there in this room. His ex-wife came around and said to him, don't worry, you'll get there again one day. And he said, I sat there and I thought, where's there? Like, where is there? Like, Where is this theoretical place called there that we're all trying to get to that always seems to be just out of reach? Because he had everything that most people of his demographic would probably want at that point of time. The thing that they were all listening to, you'll get there when you've got four Bugattis and you've got your big mansion house and you've got all this stuff. And it's like, I had it all. And I realized that there wasn't an external place. There was was a feeling and there was me realizing that I was valuable already. And there was me choosing my attitude as I showed up. There was me treating myself with kindness. There was me showing up with a smile on my face and saying, you know what, all this stuff's going on, but I'm going to look after myself in the way that looks for me. And eventually he got his house and his cars back and another beautiful partner. 
And he always said, like, it was me actually saying, like, I'm going to be grateful for what's here. I'm not going to deny that it's a struggle. I'm not going to pretend that it's not difficult. I'm going to be gentle with myself, but actually I'm going to believe in myself enough to start showing up. I'm going to think about the energy that I show up in. I'm going to be kinder to the people that I speak to because you never know what that ripple effect is. And that worked out for him. And I kind of adopted a lot of that in thinking, we're just always sowing seeds. We don't know where they're going to land, right? So let's put some good stuff out there and be kind to ourselves along the way too. Oh, thanks, Katie, for sharing that. I love that, that where is there, you know, that's a, that's a great story. And then just an observation, um, like talking to you, you were so calm and you'd mentioned there like shifting and stepping into kindness. And it's like, we're, we're, we're on opposite sides of the world right now talking on video. And it's like, I can feel it. Like you have, you oh. truly have stepped into that in like how you deliver and how you communicate. And it's like, it, it's, it's pretty amazing to see. Oh, thank you so much. That absolutely makes my day because that's who I want to be, you know, and that's who I know I am. And I honestly feel like when we speak the truth, people can hear that because I tried everything, you know, like I said to you and you quoted from my Instagram, I had 27 letters after my name and doctor before it and none of them gave me me as much as I looked. And I'll be completely honest, sometimes I will still get drawn into narratives of you need to achieve more, you need to do more, you need to get this. I've still done, gone out and done plenty of awesome things, but actually I do them without my self-value being up for debate. It doesn't become a, if this goes wrong, you're a failure, therefore you are not good enough. It's a, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And even if it doesn't work out, I'm going to figure it out and it'll be okay. And I'll ask for help or I'll find out more information or I'll break it down into steps or I'll just decide I don't want to go for that anymore. And that is also okay. So like you said right there, Mike, sometimes that voice can pop in for us. Right? And I I almost enjoy the fact that it's there as a reminder sometimes. Like, oh, I hear you. Thanks. Thanks for telling me all the things that could go wrong. I hear you. But this yeah. is my point where I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be um, terrified away from doing this project by you telling me all these disaster prophecies. I'm going to break it down into doable steps and lean into that kind person that mm. is me. Right. So thank you so much for the kind words. I love that. Yeah. Well, Katie, I mean, this, this has been excellent. I'm there's going to be a ton of value for our listeners. No doubt. We had lots of other stuff we were going to get into, but I mean, the, the time has flown by. So we're going to roll in here to our impact round. Uh, sh short series of questions here as we wrap. First question, are you a cat or a dog person? I found this really hard, right? Because at heart, I'm going to say I am a dog person that currently has no dogs and two cats. So I won't say that too loud so they don't hear, but dog person. Dog. Yeah. True or false? I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was a kid. True. Nice. How would your friends describe what you do for a living? I think my partner even struggles to describe what I do for a living. <laughs> I think they say she helps people in the vet profession and she's all over social media and she's always doing something. That probably is quite succinct. That's what they'd say. That's fair. What is your favorite hobby? This might be a surprise for a lot of people. My favorite hobby is mountain biking. I love it. And, you know, when we talk about leaning in, to doing things incrementally and stuff like that. That has been one of my biggest points of growth is getting comfortable with being rubbish at something and just leaning into those little wins of, oh my God, I did not know I could do this, but I've managed to do it. And it seems like nothing to anyone else, but yes, this is great. So I love mountain biking. Good for you. What in this world are you most grateful for? I'd say I'm most grateful for being alive. I, I know that sounds so, so cheesy, but it's such an opportunity that's here that we forget about. Nothing else matters unless we give that some appreciation. It's so easy for life to go by so, so quickly. So being alive, potentially having a second chance at this and kind of that reinvention piece, but being being alive. I like that. Hey, Katie, thank you again so much. There's definitely going to be people uh, that want to follow along if, if they're not already where would be the best place that they can find you? 
two places. So you can find me at Katie Ford Vet, which is on Instagram is where I'm most active. You'll find me at katiefordvet.com. I do have a Facebook page as well, Katie Ford uh, Consulting and Coaching. And you can also find there is a vet personal development business that I have with a business partner, Claire Grigson, who's also a veterinarian and a coach, and that is Vet Empowered. And we are at Vet Empowered and VetEmpowered.com. And they're the best places to find me. Excellent. Be sure to check that out. I know I've been following along and lots of good stuff, lots of sort of moments to pause and, and reflect on some good, good questions asked. So thank you again, Katie. Um, as always, the last word goes to you. What message would you like to leave for the veterinary community? I'm going to say you are enough. Whenever you forget, even when it doesn't feel like it, you are enough. And that's not at a level of doing or letters after your name or achievements or anything else. It's at a level of of being. So let's sit into that and remember that each and every one of you are valuable, worthy of help, worthy of support, and you can do the things that you want to do. Sometimes we just need to lean into that person that can take that pressure off and remember that negative voice is not us. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to theveterinaryprojectpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group general feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.